Welcome to Crosspoint Conversations, a podcast where we discuss cultural and theological questions from a biblical worldview. Each week we take your questions and discuss what the Word of God has to say about them. You can submit questions to podcasts at crosspointpgh.org. The views discussed in this podcast may not always represent the views of Crosspoint Church. Well, we're gathered once again for another Crosspoint conversation. A little bit delayed. We've had a couple weeks of, of no podcasts because of schedules and things that have popped up. But here we are, and we're ready to provide a hopefully another uh, somewhat thoughtful uh, podcast about a particular issue. But before we get to that, we want to remind you to please send in questions so we are challenged to answer them. All right, before we go to today's topic, I just want to kind of talk about the September sermon series here at Crosspoint, because it's going to match to some degree this topic. And the title of the series will be The Church Gathering. And for four Sundays in September, we are going to talk about why the church should be gathering in the age of streaming and virtual reality worship. And so all of this is coming to pass, plus just the busyness of life. So uh, the church gathering is coming up in September. So let's talk about our topic today, which centers on a great article sent to us by Pastor Andrew, and he's here as well as Seth and myself, Mike, and once again, we can't wait to talk amongst ourselves and with you about this topic. Ten reasons even committed Christians are attending church less less often. So ten reasons even committed Christians are attending church less often, written by a guy named Kerry Newhoff, who's a Canadian, don't hold that against him, but he's a Canadian who's pastored a church, founded a church, uh, is now kind of a public speaker, and so if you want to look him up, it's a weird spelling, N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F, Kerry Newhoff from Canada. Ten reasons even committed Christians are attending church less often. It's not about the de-churched or the unchurched or never been to church. It's about people who would tell you they are born again, committed Christians, but they're not coming to church quite as much as they used to. And so let's start off by talking about the 10 real quick. We'll just name them and we'll begin with Seth. Yeah, so the first uh, thing he cites here in his article is greater affluence. So um, he cites a New York Times article uh, that, that says, uh, the middle class is is shrinking, and more and more people um, are are making their way to the upper class, uh, which really he says this gives people more options than they've had before. So, uh, a few of the things that are that follow um, are are things like your ability to have more children um, and more travel can kind of distract from your need to go to church. Um, and also just having a greater focus on money and the things that money can buy. So First, first Timothy talks about how money is, is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, and so he cites affluency as the first reason. The next is a higher focus on kids' activities. Uh, so if you have more money, you can have more kids, and more kids means uh, more baseball games, more travel to those baseball games. Um, and a lot of people are skipping out on church for some of these weekend activities. I've seen it in uh, in, in many churches I've uh, been a part of, uh, just a greater uh, focus on some of these activities than gathering together with God's people. And then the third thing he cites is just more travel uh, with less people 
in the middle class and people having more money, you can have more money and time to travel, and that means you are at church less and less. Uh, so those are the first three sites. Now, Andrew? Yeah, he says uh, number four is uh, blended in, in single-parent families. And, you know, I think we're seeing this more and more in churches, um, blended families, single-parent um, families coming. And, and it's great. It's great that our, our churches are, are reaching out to those, to those families. Uh, but the reality with that, especially as you track sort of attendance with um, kids and um, kids' ministry and involvement, um, realizing that um, in a shared custody situation, you're, you know, you may have kids that only make it, their perfect attendance would be 26 Sundays a year, not 52, um, because of shared custody issues. And, um, so the things like that can, can sometimes lead to, um, people only making it to church half as often as you might like them in a, in a regular attendance, um, Number five, he says, is is online options. I think this is a big one for us, online options. Um, really, what church doesn't have an online option um, in that? And, and uh, COVID has really thrust a lot of churches in that direction. I know even for our church here. Um, it was something that the elders and Pastor Mike, you and uh, and I had talked about um, before. And we're really questioning, do we make that financial commitment to an online um, platform. And all of a sudden with COVID happened and in a week we decided we had to, we were forced into, um, going online and, you know, that's led to some very difficult decisions. Do we stop our online platform ever? Um, is this something that we're going to have at continuum and just continue to run week after week? Is there ever a time where we'll um, not have online and everyone will be back in church? And, um, you know, I, I think with the online option is, is really necessary for some people, whether it's because they're traveling, whether it's because some, you know, elderly people in nursing homes or can't leave their home and able to, to listen and to watch and still be a part of our church family. Um, yet there's also an element where some people might just be lazy and wake up late on a Sunday morning or not want to come out of their house on a Sunday because it's cold outside or because it's hot outside or whatever it might be. And so, Hey, we're just going to sit in our PJs and get our cup of coffee. And it's a lot more comfortable to sit on my couch and, um, be a part of church than it is to actually go there. Um, and so I, I think those are things that we have to wrestle through, um, and, and, uh, both as churches and as the, the people of God. Um, but that certainly I think is a, is a contributing factor to, um, our, our lack of, of regular attendance. Uh, number six, he says, is the cultural disappearance of guilt. This is an interesting one because his premise is basically that when he grew up, um, you felt guilty or you were made to feel guilty um, if you didn't attend church. And so the question becomes, is that a good motivation for people to come to church? Um and there's probably better reasons to, but but the, the the premise that he's saying is that really there's no longer um, a guilty feeling if you're not in church on uh, on a Sunday, um, and, and because it's it's become rather commonplace. And so as as a church, um, he says, if you're relying on guilt as a motivator uh, to get people in church, then you need a new strategy. 
And he says in parentheses, well, honestly, you've always needed a new strategy. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that. True. So, uh, and then number seven, he says is self-directed spirituality. And this is where the internet can get very, very dangerous. Um, I remember with great wisdom um, that we were at a pastor's conference and um, one of the um, uh, speakers was talking about finding worship songs and, and certain things on YouTube. And, and he said, you really have to educate your church um, and you have to be careful because you have to know what is two clicks away on YouTube. And there's a lot of great teaching on, on that we can find online. And yet there's also with one or two clicks, a great deal of heresy and a great deal of uh, theological um, um, negativity and just downright biblical um, errors that we can find with two, within two cl clicks on, on, on YouTube. And so a lot of people are, are um, finding their own direction in spirituality. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church would be a popular phrase. Um, and that's real self-directed. And, um, and that can contribute to um, people's lack of attendance. So uh, those are, that's through seven. And Pastor Mike's going to lead us through the last three here. The eighth one's failure to see a direct benefit, which begs a lot of questions. It almost seems like a consumer mentality for church that if they aren't getting a direct benefit, we as a church might be doing something wrong. And we could be, of course, but in the end, they're not seeing a benefit to be there, so they won't be there. If they see a benefit to eating nachos for breakfast, they'd rather sit at home or something along those lines. So failure to benefit, at least from their viewpoint. Nine is a f valuing attendance over engagement, which is really important. And I think I'm going to speak about this one in just a moment. But when someone attends, you know, church, are they just doing it so they can say they did attendance and is that all the church is worried about? Or do they want people to be engaged, such as joining in on life groups or joining in and serving the church family or joining in on the activities of the church with their youth and the kids and so on? So engagement should be much more important than just simply saying, why well, I attended this week. And number 10 is a massive culture shift, which he doesn't really explain all that well, so that's not good. But in the end, I think what he means is the church is becoming more and more marginalized uh, in the cultures. It used to be that the church was a happy complement to our American experience, but now the church is probably in the way for many, many people of our culture as they want to live life the way they want to live life and not be told by Christians or the Bible or whatever that... It's kind of wrong. So massive shift in the value of churches in our culture. So those are the top 10, the only 10 that he provides for us. I think they all have some wisdom to them. They're just kind of briefly explained. So now we're going to go around the horn once again, and I've asked each of us to pick which one we want to uh, highlight as kind of hit us in the stomach a little bit, maybe. And so we'll start with uh, Seth. Well, uh, we were supposed to pick one, and I've picked two, but I think they run together. So, um, <laughs> you're not allowed to cheat. <laughs> I'm gonna do it anyway. But number two and number three, I, I think, kind of have uh, some of the same connotations here. Two <clears throat> is uh, higher focus on kids' activity, and three is more travel. And they both boil down to mm. where our priorities lie. Um, church comes first and i think if if people prioritize their kids sporting events and activities and travel above church perhaps they have 
uh, a a tainted view of of what church is or the theology of church. Acts talks about uh, the, the disciples, the people of God, gathering together daily, breaking bread together. Hebrews says, "Don't give up meeting together," as is the habit uh, of some. Um, and so, church it is important to gather together to um, to be encouraged by one another to uh, take communion. You can't really take communion in the same way at home. No. Um, and so. Yeah, same thing with with more travel. I've always been of the mindset of if you're traveling, find a local congregation and worship with them. Uh, encourage those people and be encouraged by them. Uh, you could you could join in online to your home church, but I think it's even better to find a church where you are uh, and worship the Lord there. So those are the two that kind of stuck out to me the most, and it just boils down to uh, we we have to prior- prioritize gathering together with the saints. So you're not against day. traveling, right? I'm not against traveling at all. But find a church if you're out. Yep. Right? And you're not against kids playing sports. I love sports. You love sports. Just you're a Duke fan. <laughs> you believe in that. Duke getting all the money from college sports. <laughs> That's right. Right? But in the end, you're just saying simply, learning about Jesus Christ is far more important than kicking a soccer ball. Or, and so mm-hmm. prioritize what your kids whole life is going to be based on it's not soccer or little league or whatever it's going to be based on jesus yeah, and there's six other days of the week you know just do it then <laughs> the tension is though the leagues have now used sunday when they never did That's before true. Mm. Yeah. it's true yeah I, my dad would always tell us growing up and uh, i uh, until i was about 22 or 23 years old i thought he was crazy but he would always tell us he, he would tell his kids you will always make time for what you really want to do. And I thought, no, I want to golf. I want to do this. Like I want to, I want to do all of these things. I just don't have time to do them. And, and yet the older I get, the more and more I realize the truth in that statement. Like if we really, really want to do something, we'll make time for it. And so if that is not, if our time is not being spent on Sunday in church, then I guess the question then becomes, how much do we really desire that and want that in our life? Andrew, it's your turn, I think, on, on the one that impacted yeah, you the most. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, uh, choose the, the last one, um, part, in part because, uh, as you said, he doesn't do a great job of, of, of defining it, in part, I think, because it's such a a difficult thing to to grasp because we're living in the midst of a massive cultural shift. And um you know I I think you mentioned that the church is being pushed to the margins um and, and you know Christians especially in America we don't know how to operate in the margins. We've never had to before because Christianity has taken such a uh, front and center stage in the founding of this country and in, and in all of these things. And as it was discussed before, you know, even out of a sense of guilt, people just went to church. It's just what you did. And now there's so many other options. You know, I think there's a, a thousand different cultural things that are that are perhaps, um, you know, contributing to this online church, um, technology, you know, smartphones and social media and all of that, uh, loyalty. You look at millennials and in my generation, uh, you know, the, the amount of time that, that 
millennials, the lack of time that millennials are spending per job, I mean, is astronomical. The people are switching jobs every one, two, or three years. Whereas for my dad's generation, I mean, you had, it wasn't, it was very common to find people that worked in the same job 20, 30, 35, 40 years. They, they retired in the same company they were. That's almost unheard of nowadays, both from a worker standpoint and, and from, a, from an employer standpoint. There's just very little loyalty anymore within, within the workplace, and I think some of that bleeds over into other institutions as well, including the church. Um, you know, churches now, how many churches do we see in the news now with sexual assault allegations or abuse of power, uh, you know, allegations and churches closing their doors and podcasts about the fall of churches and all of this, like all this negativity, I think is a huge contributing factor where there's a, there's a huge lack of trust in the, in the, in the institution of the church, um, by, especially by young people today. And like I said, there's, there's a thousand different reasons for this, but I think it reminded me um, just of the importance that in the midst of this massive cultural shift that our world is undergoing right now, the church, that, that we are in the world, uh, but we're not of the world. Like the church should not be defined by the culture in which it exists. Like the culture of a Christianity should be set by the truth of the word of God. It's not about your truth. It's not about my truth. It's about the truth of the word of God. And that's what we need our foundation built upon. And I think that's a real call to us as church leaders to set that culture within our church one of them being, as the people of God, we worship together. Sundays are a day that, that we gather together for the worship, the corporate worship and exalting and glorifying of the name of God. And we choose that above sports. We choose that above pleasure. We choose that above every other priority in our life because that's the most important thing. That's the culture that we're seeking and searching for. And I think it's up to us as church leaders and as the people of God to set that culture for us. So shouldn't we want, though, to uh, invite the culture into our church? And if so, how do we do it? Well, we definitely want to invite the culture into the church, remembering two things. One, that the church is not designed for unbelievers. The, the church, Sunday morning worship, is for God's people to come together and worship Him. Uh, it's great to have, uh, we, we must have the gospel proclaimed from our pulpits, and if unbelievers are here, then uh, then they hear the word of God, and hopefully that produces fruit in them. Uh, the, the, to go along with that, the second thing is we must not uh, change that focus to uh, the, the, the world uh, to make our churches seeker-sensitive. There's a whole movement of that, and there's still plenty of churches that are seeking to be seeker-sensitive and friendly to the, to the outside church. Um, and so I think we should be welcoming and, and open to unbelievers in our in our church um, certainly not as members but uh, but we, we have to do it not with them in our focus yeah and and, and, and I think the to follow up with that I, I think that um, the the command of Jesus the the Great Commission as we know it in, in Matthew 28 is to go and make disciples like that's a that's an action we are we are to go and i, I think the danger becomes when we begin to view or, or to invite people into the church to do what we are not willing to do ourselves 
Mm. I'm not going to evangelize to my neighbor myself because that's scary. That's dangerous. That's risky. So I'm just going to invite him to church and that let the pastor evangelize to him or let the VBS and evangelize the kids. All of those things are wonderful, but they should be in the programs that the church has should be used to continue to build upon our own responsibility to go and proclaim the gospel and to teach all nations about the things that Jesus has said. That's not a, that go was not given to the church. That go was given to his disciples and his followers to fulfill. Um, and the church can come alongside believers and assist them in that. Um, but it's really up to us to be the, the ambassadors, to go into the world, to proclaim the gospel, and then to invite them into to the church to see the glory of God on display. Knowing that you're using church as an institution versus the church is made up of God's people. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Correct. Mine was a devil's advocate type of question. Just to, I know a lot of churches these days are feeling so wrongly stressed out about how to reach the culture, which is woken up to you know, liberal and progressive ideas that are not of the Lord, that they start doing things to attract them with their own tools or their own um, way of life, and it's destroying the church for what it should be. So you guys answered great. Mine, mine is number nine, uh, like I said in the prior time of introducing these 10 topics. It's valuing attendance over engagement. And I think what the author means is People value being there on Sunday morning, but that's as far as they go with church. Whereas they should value not only being there on Sunday morning to be a part of a group of like-minded believers to worship the one true God and his son who gave us salvation, but then they should engage in fellowship. They should stay after church and talk or take somebody out to lunch. They should uh, be a part of a Bible study or a life group. They should just join in the pulse of the church, which should like to gather together. And I think that's what he's saying. So what you really want is engaged people and not just attending people mm-hmm. because that doesn't fit the model uh, of the church. So if you look at Acts chapter 2, they are so engaged with one another by praying and, and talking about the truth of God's word, um, uh, taking care of each other's needs as they saw fit, doing the Lord's Supper, meeting in homes together, and so on and so forth. They were just so engaged in the movement known as Christianity back then and today. It should be uh, the same way as far as our culture is concerned. So I just encourage everybody to realize the, the, the first purpose of the church is in Ephesians 4, where it talks about that you have certain teachers and pastors to help build up the body of Christ to the unity of faith. So we're all serving um, the cause of Christ and one another, and the unity will be spectacularly wonderful. And I think very attractive, don't you think, to outsiders? I, I know outsiders want to be approved of what they're doing and saying and believing. But in the end, some are just looking for the truth and they're looking for a way to God. And the church can show it sometimes by just our unity together. What role do you think leadership plays in valuing attendance over engagement? And maybe that what he he's saying this as a negative people that in general that the value is more on attendance than in engagement. Do you view that as strictly it's 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 people that are attending church are valuing that or or do you think the leadership has played into that some? Certainly, leaders can get involved in numbers. So how's the attendance? Hmm. You know, it's one of the things I look at on Monday morning when Jack sends out the uh, giving and the attendance, 
And then the giving's the other thing. You know, is giving good? Are we going to be able to get paid this week or, <laughs> or whatever? Um, and so we see, and, and church growth people tell you, attendance matters because it shows you're doing the right thing. Well, not always. Uh, we could probably get far more people in here if we did have had the fog machine and the laser lights and a beach ball representing our prayers going up to God as we hit it, right? <laughs> so if you have a fun church and an exciting church, doesn't mean you have a biblical church. And we have to trust God with the word. You know, he says his word will not return void. So we preach the word, we teach the word, we hopefully will live the word amongst one another, amongst the the people of our culture. But um, I do think leadership sets the sets the example by saying, hey, I'm all in. If you have elders who don't join in on anything, mm. they shouldn't be elders. Mm. And so likewise with the pastoral staff. So what I'm hearing, Seth, is beach balls on Sunday? Beach balls on Sunday. <laughs> well, only because Seth's not going to be here. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's leading worship this week. It could get a little get crazy. Beach balls. I hear they're doing six songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six songs and means less preaching. So anyway, it's great to have you guys. Uh, we'll be having another topic next uh, two weeks from now. Uh, we have VBS next week, so every all hands on deck. It's going to be very, very busy. But in the end, if you have a question, please send it into podcast at crosspoint. Uh, pgh.org Andrew, Seth, thank you very much for extending the wisdom the Lord has given you to this podcast and we look forward to joining together for the next topic based on the questions of, of God's people. Thank you.